Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you, so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about a free resource that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, other tools. Just simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Write it down, unless you're driving. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources, also in the show notes. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices. We'll notify you when our newest podcast is available for your listening pleasure. And while these are free to you, I think you're going to find them very valuable. When I say the word networking, what comes up for you? Do you think about networking events where you mingle with other business people, which I hate, by the way? We'll talk more about that in a minute. Or do you think a bit more broadly and think about your overall network of contacts that includes prospects, centers of influence, suppliers, other important folks. Whether you're new in business or a grizzled veteran like me or something in between, I believe that forming and sustaining a network of mutually beneficial relationships is an asset that you can rely on for years. Networking is certainly a lot more than just going to events. I remember delivering a session on networking to a group of financial advisors a number of years ago, and I'll never forget when one of the attendees called out, I tried networking once. It didn't work. Well, if he equated networking with going to events and not meeting anyone of consequence, then I suppose in his limited perspective, networking did not work for him. By the way, just for the record, we call it networking. It's not net sit or not eat. It's network. <laughs> I want to introduce you to our featured guest who helped me with this discussion of networking. Michael Goldberg has been working with financial professionals for over 20 years, helping them master all angles of the networking game. Michael has spoken in industry conferences, including the Million Dollar Roundtable. He's a two-time TEDx speaker, and he writes columns in numerous insurance and financial service publications. He has created on-demand training videos for both individual subscribers and corporate offices. Michael is the author of a great book titled Knockout Networking, and his firm's name is Knockout Networking. Why knock out? Well, you see, Michael is a boxer. Not was a boxer. He still is a boxer. When you and I fly to a new town, we usually go out looking for a place to eat. Michael, on the other hand, goes out looking for a fight. Literally. <laughs> so weighing in at 180 pounds, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Goldberg. Ding, ding. How are you, Bill Cates? <laughs> Doing well, Michael. And and uh, those listening will see that we're actually friends as well because we tease each other quite a bit. I guess that's what friends do. Uh, so, Michael, before we get serious. And friends using the terms loosely, by the way. <laughs> oh, what, friends or? Friends, yeah. yeah yes. Okay. All right. See, like I just said. <laughs> Uh, I rest my case. Uh, <laughs> so we, before we get serious about uh, anything uh, productive around networking, uh, I have two preliminary questions for you. First of all, and they're going to come in succession. How uh, old are you? How old are you? All right. How old am I? I, uh, wait, I have to, I'm, 
I'm grabbing the abacus, Carrie, the three. I am 56. 56. Second, are you insane? Uh, yes. Uh, from from what my wife tells me and my friends tell me, yes, I think I am, in fact, clinically insane. Yes. <laughs> because you go looking for fights when we go looking for a restaurant. I mean, you you are still boxing. Uh, you spar I with do. Uh, guys most younger than you uh mostly talk about that just a little bit because well, it's, I, I it's kind of interesting and you know uh, i don't know what the timing of 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 the posting of this is going to be but uh you know uh, this saturday is april 15th uh i know it's not really tax day but uh which is the 18th right but uh i was supposed to be scheduled for a fight uh in atlantic city at the showboat hotel and they can't find me an opponent but if that was going to play out it's also my wedding anniversary so between the wedding anniversary, potential tax days, and a fight, I'm, I would have to win at least one of those, I think. And I know I'm not winning all of those fights, but um, <laughs> but as it turned out, they they, they couldn't match me up. Uh, and that's that's been a recurring theme is uh, uh, when you're an old guy like me that uh, that trains like a young guy, which I do, and I spar with all these kids to get myself ready for these fights. And you know, it's you know, I'm just an amateur fighter; right? I'm not a pro, but uh, but it's very regulated. Like they don't want to see anybody get hurt. They want there to be good fights. It's more regulated than the pros are. So it's very, very hard to, you know, to match me up, you know. And uh, so that's frustrating. And that's why when we go to different cities, if there's sparring or anything to be had at some local gym, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it just becomes fun, you know, because at least I know I'm going to get a fight, you know. <laughs> yeah, fun. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I put the gloves on with Michael once uh, at a conference and – Oh, he tapped me and I go, holy mackerel. That was just a tap. And so then he chased me around the conference floor for a few minutes. It was uh, quite hysterical. Um, anyway, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, but you bring up something interesting that that will will probably matriculate as we get more serious into this. Mm -hmm. You know, as I use this metaphor about, you know, networking, you know, like boxing is about the connection, right? Or boxing like networking is about the connection. So it's not about how many connections you make. It's about connecting correctly. And I think what you're referring to is I may not have hit you hard, but I might have hit you correctly. And just the impact of just doing something in the correct manner, the way it was really designed to be done, has tremendous impact. You know, as the connections that we make in business, if we do them correctly, you know, you just imagine the impact that they might have. And so you don't equate networking with fighting, I assume. <laughs> that would be it's, bad networking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad networking. Net, yeah, net I, fight, I, net, yeah. <laughs> well, here's what I see a lot of times, right, is at events, people will come by and they'll pass out their cards and they'll say, if you need anybody who does this, you know, I call that drive-by networking. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> well, that's like so, a hit and run. A total hit and is. run. Yeah, a total hit and run. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, uh, we may get through this. Um all right. So I, I I mentioned the fact that a lot of folks mistakenly equate networking as going to events. And we know that's a part of it. But talk about that. Talk about your perspective, uh, why I think I would think that people should think of networking as not just events. That's just uh, one of the elements of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, networking is a verb, right? To network, to run, to eat, to network. Mm -hmm. So you can to network going to an event, right? You can network when you're at events. And I think people that actually relish and have fun and appreciate the social aspect of networking like to go to events. Typically networkers like events, right? And, and I do as well, but it's not the only way. You can to network on a Zoom meeting with somebody, right? You can to network on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really just a how you apply the verb, how you apply that action. 
you know, I do a lot of work as, as you do, uh, you know, with financial advisors that are in the wires. And, uh, you know, a lot of maybe it's just a connotation, but, uh, you know, a lot of the wire, you know, house, you know, FAs don't get out a lot. You know, it seems like a lot of them are in their offices, but it doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad networkers, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the pandemic and everything else. And they weren't even going to the office like, you know, what are we going to do? You know, so it's really applying the two network concept on LinkedIn with your clients, with your centers of influence. You don't need you to go to an event to do any of that stuff. Well, you know, if you think about it, the 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 root the core of network is net right and i think that's where it came from with with you know mm-hmm. a net if you think of a fishing net a spider web if you look up networking you often get a computer net network but it's it's a net of interwoven interrelated parts sure and sure. so that that's really what we're trying to do is create these relationships that are interconnected in some way correct yeah, I'm going to use net in a different way. It's, you know, kind okay. of like this net, this weave, but it's also, you know, at the end of the day, your your net connections, you know, it's just like, mm. what have we netted out of the deal? There's all these people that you know, but then there's always a small percentage of folks, you know, that are your, that you're tried and true relationships, right? So what have you netted as a result, you know, of your, not to overdo, but of your networking, right? So, uh, but that's really, it is, it's like, what's the return on it? So what is the net worth of your network? Um, ah, interesting. Yeah. 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 And then that, that doesn't even count uh, neti pots. And well, yeah, anyway, and you, you like, could probably catch a video on that on Netflix. <laughs> I knew this would be stupid. On demand, uh, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully helpful. helpful. So, all right. So uh, what, what I'd like to do is, is let's get specific. Uh, you know, a lot of financial professionals and, and lately because of some other things you're doing, a lot of other types of professionals. Yeah. yeah. So it, it give us some examples of, of how, what you've seen, how people have created these networks, these, these, these relationships that are interwoven and valuable, you know, forget the, the, if forget the events for a minute, we'll get to some events and right, right. what we can do to be better at events. Uh, but just forming that network, if you will, what are some examples? What's some neat things you've seen? You know, one of the the drastic outcomes that I started speaking about when the pandemic hit and people thought that the sky was falling, uh, and in some respects it was, is that you had to be way more intentional about networking. Because now there were, even if you were an event person, there were no events to be had. You know, so everything was being much more intentional on LinkedIn. You and I have those conversations all the time, being more intentional on setting up meetings on Zoom and everything else. So it really became very, very proactive. And I think that's really what it comes down to now that things are for the most part back and everything else is that, you know, there's got to be an intention around it, you know, an intention around who you're looking to network with and why being clear uh, and being intentional about getting to the right places, whether it's an event online, offline, whatever it is, right places, saying the right things and meeting the right people and having a process for that. You know, and a big part of that, which I think makes it easier, it's not the only way, but uh, it's certainly the easiest way in my mind is if you're clear about your target market and your niche market, and as you'd like to talk about your right fit clients, it makes the the networking, the two network, the networking piece a little bit easier because it, it if you start to think about it and strategize, then it's easy to formulate a plan on where you need to go, what you need to say, and with whom you need to say it to create relevance, Bill. Relevance in terms of your target market and the people you're looking to meet and what you're looking to accomplish. So you mentioned target market, which was going to be my next question. And I yep. want I do want to go back in a minute and 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 have you maybe share some stories and examples sure. of, of of advisors. But 
since you mentioned it, uh, how does the strategy of a target market fit into this, into the networking? Well, for one thing, and I just, I, I feel like, you know, um, you know, I'm sort of singing, singing your praises here, you know, but it, um, it makes <laughs> oh, it much stop, more. Stop, please. Yeah, stop. stop. Go on, go on. But I mean, you and I, we talk about this all the time, right? But it just, mm -hmm. you know, having a target market, I just think you that much, it makes you that much more referable because you start to identify advisors with the markets that they serve best and therefore look to serve most, right? It's, it, it's all of that stuff. You know, just, just yesterday I was at an event, uh, you know, where uh, Mets game, they won. Uh, you know, but it was a financial services event. I was invited by the mutual fund wholesaler. There were a number of uh, advisors that were there, some of whom I already knew. And just, you know, we, we spoke about the game, I think, the entire time. We took about 30 seconds to talk about financial services stuff and then target marketing stuff. But all of that came to fruition at the end of the game where it came together as a lot of the things that we were talking about just became conversational. And the fact that there was distinction around what each of them are doing and what they're looking to do made the conversation easier. And of course, you know, the fact that I'm serving advisors made the context easier to be able to, you know, just talk about and, and make it very easy to talk about as well. So I think so that's I guess, a lot of it. Yeah. So uh, forming a target market or having a mm -hmm. going after a target market, I should say, yes, you become more relevant, you become more referable because you know their world, you provide better value. But I guess also you know who to search for to add to your network. For instance, uh, let's say you're focusing on employees in a large company, yeah. kind of some worksite uh, stuff there. Well, you're going to look for accountants, attorneys, other professionals who are also focusing on that target market, right? right. So it, you, more clarity on who to who to look for, I guess. Well, you know, but people do want to help. Like if you're around networkers, and for the most part, most people do want to help. It feels good and, you know, it's pay it forward and all that. But by being clear about and how you communicate your target market allows the people that are really looking to help you to help you. Like, wait a minute. Now I know that there's, I got a guy. No, I got a guy that you need to talk to because of something that you say, you know, and you know, a lot of what I talk about in terms of target marketing is uh, this concept of reducing the fraction. You know, like you, you know, we talk to advisors and, oh, I have a target market. It's small businesses. You know, like in my mind, that's not really a target market. Not that it's good, bad, right, wrong, you know, but it's not that helpful. You know, like what is a small business? You know, it's it's so, um, you know, it's so kind of like a generic, like what, what you think of a small business might be different than what I think. But if it's it, so you're at four eighths right now, right? In terms of fractions, four over eight. But if you're going to reduce that fraction to two fourths, ultimately one half, what type of small business, what industry, profession, market segment, niche, dynamic, demographic, geography, company name, maybe even, you know, personality profile, like you can really whittle it down. And as soon as you lower it to, you know, you bring it down to the lowest or the least common denominator, there's often like a, a wait a minute, like I got it. Like, I, I know how to connect you. I know how to refer you. I know a place that you need to go. Like, all of these things become, you know, so evident as a result of that. So it's really the devil's in the details and being that specific. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is not only do you serve your clients better because you know their world better, but other people are able to introduce you a little bit better because now they know who you serve. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you're getting that message out there so people get a better understanding because they really do want to help. You know, it's allowing them to be able to do that. And not all people that we're going to meet are going to be savvy enough or frankly interested enough to start to ask the questions to force you to reduce the fraction. That's got to be done for them. Like you got to do the math for them. 
And then the other things is that it, it makes, if you're going to go to a networking event online or off, uh, it's going to determine what events that you might have the greatest success at, you know, versus just going to some generic event where you don't know who you're going to meet. Right. Right. You know, and if it wasn't for that concept, you and I don't meet because I think we ultimately met right at a financial services life insurance conference where that's where we connected and became friends because, you know, those were the ponds that that we fish in. So it made, you know, attendance and our participation there relevant. Yeah, I'm trying to f- actually forget that, but um, <laughs> yeah, always bring it up every time. Uh, <laughs> so let's get very specific here. Let's share with me, because you work with a ton of advisors, different types of advisors sure. uh, like I do. Can you think of a couple of examples, I guess, of folks who've done well in the world of networking and what are they doing? Why have they done well? How has it benefited their practice? Right. Yeah. I mean, so I'm an advisor from the wirehouses. Uh, I'm going to call him Jeff because, uh, you know, that's his name. Uh, so <laughs> just not using last names. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't uh, even think I know his last name. He never told me his last name, but um <laughs> You know, but, but but Jeff was part of a program that I was that I was leading, a four week program that I was leading, uh, you know, for this particular branch. And, you know, he got really, as he describes it, surgical about his practice as a result of this. And what that meant to him is he was already a pretty successful guy, but he, he felt that he could be a lot more focused on clients that he felt um, that he was able to serve better. And so what he took from the program and, you know, he ended up in another program with me. We just, you know, he's now as part of my networking group. He became a friend, all these different things. So he's really open about this is that he started to become more surgical about, in his words, uh, his target market where he identified uh, it was basically uh, the physician markets. And now he's got a specialty with dentists. Like that's his thing. And that was like his aha moment to focus on dentists. So it became clear as to where he needs to go, what he needs to say, and with whom he needs to say it. And mm-hmm. how that really showed up for him is he developed what what I call a daily fight plan. And his daily fight plan helped him to become much more intentional on literally a daily basis on where he needs to go, what he needs to say, with whom he needs to say it. In mm-hmm. fact, in our networking meetings, and I see him pretty regularly, when he shares his pitch, as it were, and we have a whole system for this, he talks about his work with dentists and the centers of influence that are in that marketplace uh, that he's looking to connect with. And as a result, I mean, his practice has grown. He's moved a lot of money. I think he says 25% more you know, assets under management as a result of focusing exclusively on the dentist marketplace. And that was huge for him. So in your world and the work you do, uh, it sounds like You've made this getting narrow, reducing the fraction, having a specific target market, uh, pretty important in the overall concept of networking. It is. It's not just conceptually, because like when you have conversations with advisors, they get that. But the part that I think advisors struggle with is the system, is putting the system in place so this way they're, they're acting on it. And the system, you know, comes down to like, you know, blocking your calendar. It comes down to you know, every morning between 7.30 or 8 or whatever, you know, whatever time works in the morning where you're following a plan. And mm-hmm. your plan is really setting up what your week is going to look like, but you're looking at this every day and you're putting that model in place. So this way you've got a strategy focused on your centers of influence. You've got your strategy focused on your prospects. You've got your know, strategy focused on your clients. So you're thinking about and you're executing on some of the concepts that I discussed with them 
not just, yeah, when I get around to it, when the spirit moves me or when I happen to be in an event, but it's a strategy that I'm using only every day. And that's exactly. the game. Yeah, it is the game changer. You're right. That's that's the difference between understanding the ideas and actually implementing the ideas. Uh, you remind me of a, of an advisor, a guy out of Canada, a guy named Jason, um, who... They call him Jason because that's his name, Bill. That's his name, exactly. Um, and <laughs> just call don't call him late for dinner, right? So uh, I thought of him because he focuses on dentists and... Uh, what happened for him is he was at an event. He ran into an accountant mm -hmm. and it turned out this accounting firm, one of their vertical markets were dentists, dental practices. And so they started bringing him in. This was pre COVID and now right, it, right. it's it's happening again. Now the COVID's over theoretically um, the, uh, where once a month, they'll do a dinner where they host their their dentists and he's the guest speaker. And he always gets one or two or three new clients uh, at one of these dinners. Uh, you know, I, I, I joke that that's marketing, you know, you you couldn't pay for. He doesn't have to pay for it. Gets a free meal. You know, the the, the accounting firm just sees it as value added to their wow. folks. And I, I think that's what happens when you combine the concept of who am I trying to meet? Who am I trying to add to my network? What influencers, what resources? And then you put it together with a narrower market like you're you're talking right. about. That's the kind of thing that happens, right? Right, well, think of how powerful it is. Like if you have a defined target market, then it makes your COIs, your centers of influence much more attractive if you meet those that don't do what you do, but target your marketplace. Like that's powerful. Yeah. You know, and so I enter into a concept with, uh, and it kind of factors into the Jeff story with a top 50 list, is developing your top 50 list of your centers of influence that are most in sync, as, as you might say, most relevant to your business, and then having a strategy where you're interfacing with them on a very regular basis. So that's powerful. That's, you know, that's just not just a COI, that's a COI where there's very even exchange where you can very easily go back and forth. And it could be, referrals for business it could just be serving your clients better could sure. it not absolutely yeah. so in, in a minute i want to uh shift our focus to networking events some of mm. the do's and the don'ts the best practices i also want to cover uh, i want you to cover a method that you call time blocking you kind of referred to it a minute ago yeah but yeah. first but first let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor pod rocket influence academy brought to you by proudmouth First, they make this podcast possible, and their core business is helping financial advisors accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. It's tough to be seen as an expert if you're spending most of your time as a salesperson. That's why we help industry experts like you spend less time selling and more time advising by turning you into a trusted subject matter authority. We help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit proudmouth.com to learn more. We have a new tool that you just might want to check out. We call it rapid fire referrals. If you're new to my work, this is a great affordable entry point to some of my processes. And if you've been following me for some time, this is also a great tool to, to keep our processes, our systems, and your exponential growth top of mind. One of our advisor clients nicknamed Rapid Fire Referrals the Habit Maker. 
In a nutshell, once per week for 52 weeks, you'll receive a short, high-content video lesson geared to provide actions that you can implement right away to start multiplying your best clients and turning that incremental growth into exponential growth. In addition to the weekly lessons, you'll also get access to a special bonus interview with me that provides you with a great overview of my complete system right from the very beginning. So you'll start off with some great context. Now, while you may get sick of me after 52 video lessons, I can pretty much guarantee you won't be sick of the results producing ideas provided by each video. So as a listener, the Top Advisor podcast, you'll save $100 off the investment of $297. So that's $197 for all the lessons and the bonus interview. Just use the coupon code RFR100. So do yourself a favor, head over to rapidfirereferrals.com after this interview with Michael. That's rapidfirereferrals.com, coupon code RFR100. Now, back to my conversation, featured guest, Michael Goldberg, also boxer. Uh, sometimes I call him punchy, um, you know, 57 years old, going looking for fights. I just don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Michael, before we talk about uh, this concept you call time blocking, which I think is is all about implementation of the ideas, and I, and and we want to hang around for that. When it comes to going to live in-person and networking events, I actually turn very shy. On the Myers-Briggs, I'm an introvert. Um, you know, I've learned a few uh, tricks uh, that have helped me ensure mm -hmm. that I produce some decent results. Um, and maybe I'll chime in with them as we go, but uh, let's learn from you. Uh, so I'll split this conversation into two main areas. First, what should we be trying to accomplish at a networking event? Are we looking for prospect prospects? Are we looking for centers of influence? Are we looking for other types of people, all of the above? What's our goal at these events? Yeah, well, I would say all of the above, provided mm -hmm. uh, we behave like a networker. You know, but I've, I've got a very um, low point of entry when it comes to networking, because I always want to um, walk out of an event um, really with a smile on my face, knowing that I at least had fun. So I, mm -hmm. I feel there's three things that, like you can't prevent me from doing, like you can't prevent me from learning. You can't prevent me from asking questions and you can't prevent me from having fun. So that's like my, just to in the door, those are my expectations. So I always walk out of the door with like, check, check, check. So I know that I'm going to accomplish those things. It's just a question of how I'm going to execute on that. And I also feel that if I can bring those three measures, the learning, asking questions, and the fun element to other people, more people will want to talk to me. Like, that's just the essence of it. So when okay. I, when, right, so when I enter a room, I look to see, you know, who is going to be the easiest people to learn from, speak with, and potentially have fun. So if I okay. see people that already have smiles on their faces, that's easy. If I see somebody by themselves, that's easy because nobody wants to be in an event, you know, by themselves. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be at that event. You know, so I will often enter into a conversation uh, with something very human. It's usually a quick story. You know, so if I was going to an event right now and I was just meeting you, I would walk, walk over to you, introduce myself. Hey, Bill, my name is Michael. I'm looking at your name tag, right? You know, very nice to meet you. Can I just share something real quick with you? Like at this moment, my 16-year-old daughter is on an airplane by herself. Not all by herself. I'm sure there's a pilot there, right? But uh, but <laughs> but it's uh, but it's the first time that she's on a flight, like without, you know, 
myself or her mom or right. And she's coming back from a trip and I'm a little anxious about it. Like, I'm sure she's fine, but it's just something that's on my mind. Like this is a milestone. This is the first time that she's experiencing this. And I can't wait to hear the stories and how she did really well as a big girl and all the stuff. And, you know, so I'm, I'm struggling with this a little bit, you know, have, you know, have you been down that road yourself? And then you might be inclined to share a story about your daughter and something similar. Right. But the point is, is that we've broken the ice. We've spoken about something very um, timely. It's happening right now. It's something that people can relate to. And it's human. And it's really easy to enter into a conversation like that. Now, I don't enter into a conversation like that to be manipulative. I do it because it's human. It's something that's on my mind. And it's really fun. And what a great way to just set the stage to have perhaps a much more important conversation. But in that interlude, it's going to force the learning, asking questions, having fun. And that's just the tip of the iceberg right there. Well, I like that because it's not the typical. So what do you do? Right, right. Which no, which you'll get okay. into. Like you have yeah. to get at, to that point at some point. But now it right. doesn't feel forced or fake or, you know, right. But you're getting into this really genuine conversation and it just opens up all kinds of other things. Do you, do you recommend that before events, people look at the, the guest list, the potential get li guest list, the board of directors, you know, just get a feel for at least some of the folks Absolutely, yeah. that are likely going to be there and be intentional about meeting those folks. No question about it. You know, so you know, some of the concepts I teach are about like the four phases of networking, right? So to get into a little content, you know, so preparation is that first phase, you know, it's preparation, you know, what you're doing prior to the event where you're looking at lists, maybe you're reaching out to the coordinators, you know, and just making sure um, that the event is where it should be. Like that's happened to me where I've been, I go to an event and it's not there. It was rescheduled. Right. So I, I do that just to make sure, you know, that the event is there, you know, they didn't move the circus, you know, and you know, but also to find out who is coordinating and to make connections with board members. So when I do get there, I already sort of know some of the people that you need to know that are there ahead of time. And I've already got some insight and they can introduce me. So all of that is preparation. And also the questions I'm going to ask, you know, how I'm going to approach people, what the room setup is like, some of the things that I'm looking for, maybe ways I can help. But all of that goes into the into the preparation. Right. And then there's presentation, you know, executing on what you're going to say, how you're going to talk about yourself. Then there's the follow up component like what that looks like. Like I've got business cards right in front of me here, just from the, the from the game I was at yesterday about some follow-ups, some of which have already, you know, you know, uh, been focused on. I've already heard from two of those, of those people. And then there's this staying in touch strategy, you know, how you're going to keep the whole thing in play and start to figure out ways that you can cultivate relationships so you can be helpful to one another. But that's a big rinse and repeat. And there's a lot there, right? But that's all of what could go into kind of work in the room and work in the event. Well, in a, in a minute, I want to ask you about the presentation part, because I know you have a pretty nice little formula. Um, I just want to remind you of a conversation we had, oh, gosh, probably several years ago. Um, there, it's like BC before COVID, after COVID, you know, it's um, BC also stands for Bill Cates, of course. Uh, so... <laughs> The, remember this guy Were that you I, born somewhere in some year BC was, was, was yeah, that I, you? It's, that was me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, let's, let's not get irreverent here. Um, but anyway, you remember this guy I was talking to about networking and he wanted to teach networking and really his strategies, he was teaching prospecting at events. 
right? He was there to meet prospects, have a bit of a conversation, get an agreement to chat later. Yeah. I just have a feeling that those are the kinds of folks you, as a networker, you don't want to meet those people, right? Well, you know, you know what it is. You're not really networking. You're going to an event to sell, and there's a difference, right? So, mm-hmm. and they're both important, you know, networking and selling, and there's this overlap. But networking is is uh, learning and helping. That's what it is. It's meeting people or reconnecting with people or people that you already know, and it's you know learning from one another and potentially helping one another. But um, you know, but if you're going to an event and you're really looking to uh, you know, to prospect and to qualify a sale and all those, you know, those are all sales behaviors, you know, and in a networking event for savvy networkers, they're going to be turned off by it, right? They're yeah. going to, right. They're going to be t- telling their friends to avoid you. So I'm not suggesting that you won't meet prospects that are there or probable prospects as I kind of like to refer to them as, but I wouldn't talk to them as, as if they were, I was prospecting them. You know, I wouldn't yeah. have those conversations, you know, because it's unattractive to other people. It sends the wrong message and you're not in you're not in a situation where you're being collaborative. You know, it's very, very one sided. So it's just inappropriate to be able to do that at that time. And advisors, you know, um, frankly, are you know very often are the ones that are doing that. You know, the ones that aren't savvy in terms of how to, you know, connect, build relationships and do some of the things that we've been talking about. So real quick, uh, bef- I want to get to that time blocking thing, I yeah. promised everyone. But uh, first, you have a little formula about how you answer the question, what do you do? Could you give that real quick? Uh, sure. we, we can, yeah, so this is my variation of an elevator speech. And I hate the phrase elevator speech because it gives the impression that you're memorizing like a line and verse speech. But this right. is more of a positioning statement. And I call it the peace statement, which is P-E-E-C. P-E-E-C. P-E-E-C, as in have oh. peace of mind that oh, this works only every time. Okay. And P-E-E-C where the P statement stands for your profession, your areas of expertise, the environments that you work in, and your call to action, right? So your profession is, you're talking about that, you're a financial advisor and that you help, uh, I don't know, you help business owners with their financial Mm -hmm. management, let's just say, Mm -hmm. right? Your expertise is the two or three areas that you have a background in, maybe designations in, smarts with, you know, my expertise are in the areas of life insurance, mutual funds, and various aspects of financial planning, you might say. Okay. My environments gets into your target market. You know, most of my work is focused on the physician marketplace, although as of late, I've really drawn a focus into working more with dentists. Mm-hmm. And then the call to action is really your ask. You know, ideally, when I'm at events like this, I'm always looking to meet or be introduced to attorneys that are focused on compliance that represent physicians and more specifically dentists. Any advice on how I might make connections like that? I would love to learn more. How about yourself? Right, so that's the peace statement. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm glad there's a C at the end because otherwise it would be just P. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's a whole other meeting. Bill. I know some of the <laughs> yeah. some of these I do for myself. Um, but I, I do like the call to action because quite often that gets neglected, right? It's like, all right, we talk about ourselves, but then what's the next step? What what what's our ask of them? Uh, what would we like them to do? Sometimes the good savvy networkers will say, well, how can I help you with that, right? Yeah. Uh, but we don't want to wait for that. We don't want to assume that they know to say that. So we have an ask. 
But you know what's um, cool about that also, other than I think it's cool, is that mm-hmm. you're looking to exchange peace statements from those that you're networking with. In my mind, you're looking for your next center of influence that would make it to, you know, your your list, like of people that are fishing in the same ponds as you. And finally, what we were talking about before, we we're talking about like somebody feeling like they're being sold to or prospected. It sort of takes that out of the equation because you're not saying I'm looking to set up some time with you so you can understand, you know, the the value of my work and all that sort of thing. It's really about these are the people I'm looking to connect with. I'd love to learn more. How about yourself? And now you're turning it back to them. And I find that people will model the peace statement right back at me, even though they don't know what the peace statement is, but they'll follow my leads. Now for both the call to action, we got something to talk about. Yeah, I found one of the things I like that's related to this. I like to ask, you know, if I ran into a good prospect for your business, how would I know it? Right. Right. What what would what would they be talking about, complaining about? You know, I could go to this. What would the environment look like, et cetera? So. Um, all right. So uh, time blocking. What is it? Why should we do it? I I believe financial advisors are very reactive when it comes to their calendar. Okay. Very reactive. So a situation comes up and they're scheduled to attend a networking meeting. I know this because I lead a national networking organization. And sometimes financial advisors will say, you know, I can't make the 6 p.m. meeting because now I have a client meeting. So the client wasn't available the other 23 hours of the day. Really? No available. How about the week? Were they available? any? like, really, they weren't available any other time. So that is not calendar blocking or managing your time properly, or as I like to call owning your calendar. So if you had your calendar, let's say your model week, and you had your networking events and other commitments, they're blocked in there as if they were sales meetings and they're in there. And then the rest of your calendar was set up with, let's just say, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 12 to 4. That's when you see clients or that's when you see prospects or you have one-on-one meetings. You're able to, as you're speaking to people, say, you know, I, I've got this time available on Tuesday or this time available on Thursday. You're now creating ownership around your calendar. You're managing your time more properly. The people that you're setting up meetings with are going to have more respect for your time. So you'll have less canceled or rescheduled meetings. And finally, the other things that you never seem to have time to do, you will have time to do because you've scheduled them because you've blocked time for that, for follow-up, for casework, for whatever it might be. Now you're managing your calendar. And we know that any... At an event, you may meet uh, a center of influence for an advisor, could be an accountant, attorney, someone who's a great resource. We know that any one center of influence could be worth a lot more than any one client. Right. Their ability to send you folks. So you're really missing a huge opportunity. It's it's treating that with the importance that it deserves. Uh, Well, it's the chicken and egg theory, right? I mean, uh, who do you who would you rather connect with the chicken or the egg? Right. Yeah. Uh, sure. Whatever you say, punchy. Uh, <laughs> well, there's obviously a lot more we could talk about. You've written a book on it. You've been speaking on it for years. Uh, Michael Goldberg, uh, thanks a million. Thanks a billion for being on top advisor podcast. Of course. Well, I appreciate you carving out some time and it's great talking about all this stuff with you, Bill. Thank you. Absolutely. We're gonna have to have you back. Cause I know there's a lot more we could talk about. To those listening, if you haven't already done so, please have a, head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources, sign up for our weekly tips and access a ton of free guides and scripts. Go to rapidfirereferrals.com and make sure you use the code RFR100. You'll save $100.
This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.